Open your Bibles, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. We are in part 2 now of a a new series that we started last week on Easter Sunday called, Is There More? Is There More? And, uh, you know, what we saw last week was we said that there is more life, and we saw that the resurrection of Jesus Christ changes everything. It absolutely changes. It changes everything. It's new creation breaking into the world. And this week we want to keep looking at issues that we ask about. These questions, is there more? And this passage that we're about to look at from Ephesians 2, it, one of the questions that it answers is that God is going to be there. And so one of the questions that we, that we ask is, will God be there? Is there more of God's presence? Is there more of God's grace? Will God be there when I'm going through that hard situation? And all the different questions that we ask that are related to that. You know, when I keep struggling with this sin, is there going to be some grace of God, some power from heaven that's going to enable me to get out of this junk that I've been walking in? You know, and here, here's, here's a big one, because it's not just the junk I walk in, it's so much is tied back to anxiety. Anxiety is like just this stuff that gets on us, and it leads to all kinds of other sin. So anxiety like fear, insecurity, provision, all the different questions that are related to my anxieties in life, and why do I feel so overwhelmed, why do I feel pulled in so many different directions, And all of these questions, if we'll get a hold of who God is for us and the grace of God that He brings, it's like He wants to help us. Even the sin of Adam and Eve in the garden, at one level you can tie it back to an issue of anxiety. Like, is God who God says that God is? And the enemy's saying, no, He's not. And they grab the fruit. And in the thought that this fruit or the knowledge that's going to come from this is going to provide for me something that God cannot give or won't give. And so we do the same things even still today. When we put our hope in something else besides trusting in God. Does that make sense? Okay. All right. This message is about the grace of God. This message is about the goodness of the grace of God. And that He comes to us in love when we could do nothing. Okay, that's good news. Because there is in us something that we hear about the grace of God and then we want to turn it into, like I need to leave here and go do a bunch of stuff. And I want to respond. I want to be obedient. I want to walk with Jesus. But there are things that I just can't... uh, there is the grace of God that comes to me when I'm dead and lost, and it's, it's just good news. And I say that because there's a way of hearing this where I, I hear the good news, but I need to kind of balance it out. I need to do my part, and, and it's just a different kind of perspective when you hear that God comes to you when you're dead. God comes to you in love when you're an enemy. You know, when you hear that, it's, it's good news. God wants to rock our world. He wants to flip things upside down in such a way that we walk with Him. There's nothing else on planet Earth like it because it's why we were made. It's how we were made to be formed into His image and to look like Jesus. And this may be one of the most important things that I say all morning. 
And I want to just say it because real clearly like this, because there are people I believe that need to hear this. God has not given up on you. And all, I, all kinds of crazy stories in this room, the ways the grace of God has met us, but God has not given up on you. Are you, 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 right? It's good news. Today is a day of grace. I feel like I'm working this thing here, but today's a day of grace. It's all, it's the only kind of days we got are days of grace. Now we get goofy and we think we have something other than that, like some self-ordered kind of thing that is kind of our own, you know, I'm standing up on top of the hill and. You know, it's my deal, but it's really, they're just days of grace. In our brokenness, we have a hard time with that. But let's, uh, let's read the Word of God with respect and with honor, these ten verses, if you would stand. And uh, like last week, we're going to do this again, just to honor the reading of the Word of God. I'm going to finish, and I'm going to say, this is the Word of God, and you respond by saying, thanks be to God. Thanks be to God, okay? Here we go. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath, children of wrath. But because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages He might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This is the Word of God. Thanks be to God. You guys have a seat. Amen. So, you read that passage and you go, Wow. You go, oh my goodness, or maybe you don't go, oh my goodness. Maybe you wake up and you just say, wow, God saved us. In the middle of our brokenness and blackness and darkness, when we were in the dark, He brought the light. When we were dead, He brought the life. And I think it's important to highlight again, because we had another baptism today, that, that the early church would read the entire letter of Ephesians over the newly baptized. I'm not doing that. I'm just reading ten verses. But I mean, think of the power of that. It's because we... Uh, it's, it's not just that we need to get saved and start following God and receive His grace for the first time. It's that we need to keep doing that throughout the remainder of our lives. I need to keep receiving His grace. And I need to keep knowing that next week on Friday afternoon at 3, there's going to be grace for me. And then I'm going to face that trial. And it's not going to happen for another bunch of years. I'm going to be trial free for a while. But there's a trial coming out there. There's a trial coming. It's just the way life is. 
And I could try to say, man, it's just going to be, woo, up and to the right, and Laura Ingalls Wilder, you know, down through the fields, you know, running, and just life's happy all the time. It just doesn't work like that, does it? And so we need the word of grace that comes to us because we know that we're going to have stuff happening out there that's, and I'm going to go, wow, I feel overwhelmed again, God. It's not enough that I received it once. I need to receive it again and again and again. God has a purpose for us. We're going to be talking about that, that last verse there, verse 10. God does have a purpose for every single person. But I can't walk in the purpose that God has for my life if I don't receive His grace. I, I, I can't be you know, doing the things that I'm supposed to do if I'm not receiving God's power, life-changing power in my life. Even as Marley was saying, I'm just a great precursor to talking about the grace, the grace of God. You know, and I know that most of us, we don't sit around, we, get, we don't go, is there more grace, God? But you know what? So often that's exactly what we need is more of His grace, more of His power flowing in our lives. So here's the main thing that I'm trying to say today. Boil it down to one sentence, this is it. God has not given up on us and will be there with the goodness of His grace for His purpose in our lives. You can trust God. And even the faith that He's wanting to bring us into, even the faith itself, like Ephesians 2.8 says, is a gift. It's not just the grace. It's even your believing. You know, it, 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 there's a way of even doing faith where you kind of, well, I've got, you know, I've got the faith thing going on. And I want to just say, even the, even the believing, it's God's gift to us. Him wooing us, drawing us, calling us, pulling us, revealing Himself to us. You can trust God. And even as we go forward, God is saying, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is enough. So here we go. Let's look at these two, two ideas, grace and purpose. The first one, God wants us to receive His grace in our lives. That passage there in the middle, it's beautiful because we're, we're messed up. That's a good amen place right there. We're messed up. We're dead. Transgressions and sins. Following our cravings. Anybody know what that's like? You're just kind of being pulled around by the stuff you want to do. What do I want to do? What do I want to do? And I want to just say this about cravings and desires. Those don't go away no matter what happens. It's just, are they going to be ordered by God and His story? Or are they going to be just kind of what you personally want to do? Or even worse, what you've been co-opted by, hijacked by, bamboozled by, another story that you've been bought into, that you've bought into, where you don't even really think about. It's, it's, we, are so, we are so motivated. We, we are moved by what we desire down here on the inside. I'd like to think that I thought through everything I did this past week. I had a preconceived idea. I, I made all right choices. I thought everything through and just kind of moved through life. I'd like to think that that's the way it works, but it does not work that way. Some of you guys are going, I don't know. No, I'm telling you. <laughs> I'm telling you, you move by what you love. We do what we love. You know, and so we're constantly moving toward what we love. Now, we're going to, at the end of this message, we're going to talk about the habits that shape what we love in our hearts. I want my heart to be shaped by the right things. And, I mean, you guys, 
man, Madison Avenue, they get this. They get it in a creepy kind of way. That it's not just, you watch the advertisements and it's not all the details you need to know about the ingredients of the product, right? They're just, they're going straight for your heart. Just, 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 they want your heart, they're going for it, and over time, it just, it, the habitual practice of watching this certain story that's grabbing my heart more and more, and all of a sudden I'm out at Walmart or wherever, and I'm, I must now have that. I must have that. It's not a want anymore. It's, it's, a, it's a need. It's become absolutely critical in my life to have the 56-inch or the TV or the... <laughs> I'm trying to think of something. It's not working. But everybody tracking with me? So His grace comes into our lives and starts shaping these desires. In, I, would even, I didn't say this in the first service, but I'm looking at this and I'm going, look at this. But because of His great love for us. Now, I think God thought everything through. God knows everything. He thought it all through. But what was it that motivated Him? Because of His great love for us. God, who's rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It's by grace you've been saved and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages He might show the incomparable riches of His grace to us. You know, I, uh, grace, it's one of those things like Kim and I, we have this ongoing argument about who loves each other more. It's a good, just a good, fun, you know. And it's, it's usually carried out in text messages, little text wars with emoticons and things that are often <laughs> inappropriate for anybody outside of this tight circle to be involved in. And that's the way love is. You know, love, it's, it, we're turned toward each other. And this grace thing, it's kind of like that too. You know, it's like, who in this room is going to end up receiving the most grace by the time it's all done? I would say me. And hopefully you would argue you. And hopefully all of us together would say, I received more grace than anybody. Paul, that's what he said at the end of his life, man. I, if anybody needed it, I needed it. I mean, this is, this is a straight up first century rock star on the church planting missionary uh, front, right? So, and he's still saying, I'm a sinner. I'm the chief receiver of the grace of God. And here's what happens when we receive this kind of grace. What kind of wholeness and peace comes into our lives? How does that shape us and change us? So if I'm walking around anxious, I'm, I, my loves are all jacked up because I'm participating mainly in stories and liturgies and in these, these habitual things that are coming at me from the world, and, and those are just dominant, and it's not, I mean, we live in it, so it's not, you can't, you can't not be in it, but you sure need some help along the way because what happens is I start getting these anxieties, life isn't working out, is God going to be there? Or is, is there grace for me? Can I get out of this mess that I'm in? Is there going to be provision? Will God be there for me? And what happens as a result of our anxieties is that we start getting into other sins. So, so anxiety is it's sin in and of itself, but it's not just that it's sin. Because of my fear and insecurity, it leads to other sin in my life. And so I take the anxiety, and what I do with it then is I want to escape from this anxiety. 
And so I need to come over here and do something that helps me escape. Okay, so then, I, then I'm off. And for long, this thing that was an escape at one point turns into a full-on addiction or a bondage. And so God wants to bring grace to touch us in our time of need with our anxieties, fear, insecurity, all of that stuff so that we're not running to other sources to meet needs that His grace is supposed to fulfill. Does that make sense? John Piper has a, a book that he wrote years ago called Future Grace, and right at the start of it he says there's all these anxieties, and what I love about the, the, uh, just even the title of that, his point is, his thesis in the book, is that there's always going to be enough grace for whatever happens in life. So no matter where we go, no matter what we do, there's going to be enough grace for Jesse. It's going to have enough grace for Melanie. It's going to be just right, right on time, even though we don't always see it in the midst of our circumstance where we're demanding that it needs to look a certain way or we need to be ejected or rescued or escaped from this situation. And it doesn't always work out just quite like that. So God comes to us in love. He comes to us with mercy. You know, in the Old Testament, there's this... Uh, <laughs> Well, I said killer. There's this great word called hesed. And hesed is like whenever you read unfailing love or uh, the steadfast love of the Lord or His mercy endures forever. Whenever you read that, you're reading the word in Hebrew, hesed. Okay? So, so this unbelievable, nonstop, everlasting Niagara of the love of God that's pouring down on us constantly, that's what God's love does. That's what is breaking into our lives. And even though we get confused, I'm in my brokenness, I'm in my darkness, and I'm, I, my pain, I'm, I'm thinking God's doing this, to, I'm re, and God is good. God came to me when I was dead. You know, when I was an enemy, God came to me, and I have to just, again, hear the truth that this love that's coming into my life flowing into me because God wants me to be like Him, someone who's motivated by love. That I'm so filled with His love that now I'm relating to other people like that as well. Part of the way that we experience the grace of God, you guys, isn't just by me. As much as I might like to think, this sermon's just, whoo, you know, this is going to be a good one. It's going to change everybody's life. You know, and I'm, I'm going to... I don't know. Uh, a lot of times I stand up here and, and I'm like, wow, that was, that was good, a solid hit day. You know, I got a double or something. Or that was a home run. Or Every now and then I'll, I just get under it. You know, it's a little Texas leaguer. kind of bloops over the second baseman's head. And I'm like, woo, I got to do better than that next time. That was, that was rough. What point was I trying to make? Grace. God's grace. <laughs> See, none of that was in the notes. The church. Okay, I'm back on my sermon. So I can stand up here and think, man, this is going to be good and all that. But you know what? What we need is one another. I mean, this can be encouraging, but we need, I need Ashley encouraging me. And I need to be encouraging Ashley. I need Ross's hug. I need his word of blessing. You know? I need Nathan's word of affirmation or something. Guys, we're all needy. And it's like you don't outgrow it. You don't kind of mature past 
needing the grace of God that flows through other people into your life. I've got a dear friend who planted the church out of this church up in Denver. I'm so proud of him right now. We just got a picture last week from their, their Easter service, and they rented out the Denver Opera House and had 2,000 people there on Sunday, Park Church in Denver. So pretty awesome. But Brian and I will often say to each other, he's a real son in the Lord to me, and uh, we'll often say to each other, you are the grace of God for me. You are are God's grace for me today. We'll say that. Because it's like God is bringing grace, but a lot of times how God's bringing grace is through different people loving on each other, serving one another, caring for one another. And that's why this, what we do here, it's just... Huge. I'm going to say more about that in just a minute, but the church, man, it's, it's so right smack in the middle of the heart of God. There are so many practical little things that we do for one another. It's like the grace laboratory for practicing love, service, care, sharing one prophetic words that build each other up and all of that kind of thing. I, uh, someone sent me an article this past week on loneliness. And it was really, they talked about the devastating effects of loneliness. And one of the, kind of one of the final calls in this article was to go to church because people that go to church, they studied 5,000 people and found out that they live from 7 to 14 years longer in life. Like loneliness is like a a health debilitating kind of illness. Isn't that interesting? It's not surprising that I would stand up and encourage you guys, hey, we need this. We need this. And if it wasn't even, I mean, I have to be here to stand up, do what I do, whatever, do my piece. But even if I didn't, I'd want to be here. I'd want to be connected to God's people, touching, receiving, interacting with the grace of God that comes through people. Yesterday at Frontline, uh, our leadership training time for the life group leaders, Marvin Jenkins and I, we, we ended up in a group. It was me and Marvin and uh, uh, Micah. Just went blank. I know you. Hey, Micah. <laughs> Micah's our youth pastor. <laughs> Didn't know. It's weird. Um, so so uh, we were standing there praying, and, and he was just he was ministering to me. And I, I literally was thinking about this. Like, this is God's grace coming to me through Marvin Jenkins yesterday. And then, and then even after the front line was over, he caught me again out on the sidewalk and and just started talking to me about some stuff and then prayed for me. I was literally walking out to my car and I was about to leave and he just put his hand on my shoulder and said, Father, in the name of Jesus, and just started blessing me and praying for me. And I was like, Lord, thank you. It's the grace of God. It's God's grace coming to me in that way. You know, one of the the key dynamics of grace, I've already said something like this, is, is freedom. Because we are set free from the anxieties that lead to different kinds of bondages in our lives, lies that we believe, untruths that we're walking in, things that we're saying, you know, to ourselves. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's probably enough on that. Grace, the grace of God is the love and mercy that comes with His power and brings this incredible assurance that He's embracing us, that He's loving on us, that He's brought us into His family, that He's holding us in the midst of all the times of our uncertainty and insecurity. And, and what it does is it helps us move forward in life. The second piece then. So that's His grace. He wants to bring us into His grace and into His purpose in our lives. So, 
Look at this. John, if you'd hit that slide. How do we get, how do we walk in this? God's purpose for our lives. And so let me, let me say it like this. Um, a to B is God placed Adam and Eve in the garden and God had a plan for humanity. But humanity falls and then Jesus comes and he redeems us out of the pit. And what happens, though, is people often think that the end of the journey is right here at number D. Like, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. And I'm, okay, wow, that's great. The only problem is getting back up here on the road is just the original plan that God always had. He has something more in mind for us than just going to heaven when we die. Jesus didn't come and say, okay, here's the deal. Avoid hell, get into heaven. He said, repent and believe the kingdom of God is at hand. God's reign has come, and, and what we want to do is get in line with what God's doing. And, and, you know, ultimately, if you read the end of the story, heaven literally comes and joins a renewed earth. No more separation between heaven and earth. And we are going to live there with glorified bodies, but we are living right now like we are helping to bring that heaven on earth and as it should be kind of living right now. So it's, it's, it's a now kingdom, even though it's still a not yet kingdom, but it is a now kingdom. Okay, so what is God's purpose? Well, God's purpose is that we would grow up. He's not okay with us not growing up. He wants us to grow up, as Paul says later in Ephesians 4, unto full stature, to grow up into the fullness of Him Who's the head over all things for the church? He wants us to grow up, to walk in that purpose. Purpose is like to know that we're adopted and in the family of God. Purpose is this eternal purpose thing that he talks about in Ephesians 3.10. That he's going to just distribute Christ to the world through us. That we're going to be this life-giving, multiplying, reproducing, Christ-manifesting kind of people that are on fire with the life and love and grace and purpose of God in our lives. I mean... I'm in. You know, I mean, you can give your life for all different kinds of things. But why not just connect to the eternal purpose of God for your life? So now we're at this verse, the, way, the, way the passage ends there in verse 10. He says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which He prepared in advance for us to do. You know, we're... We're human beings, and human beings don't just be, they do things. And there's a way of hearing this to where you go, are you actually saying I'm supposed to leave here and do stuff? Absolutely. Absolutely, but, but, but it's, it's receiving the grace of God so that I can be this work of art, purpose of God person that God's called me to be. The word there for workmanship is the word poema. It literally means a work of art. That's what God wants to do with me. That's what He wants to do with Marley. That's what He wants to do with Lorenda. He wants to make us individually a work of art, but not just so that I would put His beauty on display. He wants to bring me together with other people in the church, in real relationships, where we can together... Be something beautiful. There's a corporate dynamic to this whole thing that is not and will not ever be put on display with me by myself. 
Like, I need to be connected to other people who are living in this way, who want to see the art of God break in through the people of God. And no matter... You know, I talked about this last week, but there's no matter what the ebb and flow of the current popular opinion on the church is, the church will always remain and stay and be God's plan A for planet Earth. Purpose of God in the people of God, on the mission of God, for the glory of God. That'll probably sound like another sermon, doesn't it? God made us so that we could participate with Him in making things right, in being stewards of the earth, and functioning and bringing His goodness and His grace and His love in a way that other people can experience it. It's just, it's, a, it's supposed to be a beautiful thing. I remember when my daughter got married. It's in, it's in <laughs> You're still excited, aren't you? Yeah, okay. So I remember when my daughter got married. And it was like between the rehearsal, dinner, and the wedding, which was intense, you know, just for me as a dad. More for her, I'm sure, but it was intense for me. And, uh, but I was driving down Bryant Irvin, just over here, and driving up the road. And, and I, I remember going, Lord, and she just was so beautiful to me, she was just grown into such a beautiful person in Jesus, you know, and um, so proud of her. And I just was like, Lord, she, she's beautiful. Thank you. You did that. And it was almost like, wasn't audible, but a deep sense of the impression of God speaking to me, saying, no, we did this together. And I remember going, I kind of arguing with the Lord a little bit. It's like I said, no, Lord, you did that. Kind of this pseudo thing, you know. <laughs> and I, I said, no, Lord, you did that. And, and it was just clear, like, no, we did this together. And it's what I'm trying to say here, the beauty that God's wanting to create through our lives, He wants to do it in partnership with us. It's like prayer. It's like oh, so many parts of life. It's like God's sovereign. He could just do it. But He didn't do it that way. And a big piece of, of this this thing, His purpose, is again going to be worked out as we do it with other people, as we live it out with other people. And, and it's, I'm trying to think, what's going to be in eternity? You know, I mean, the biggest thing that's going to be in eternity is people. And so it's the people that you invest in and lay your life down with and love. And, and the, those, are, those are going to be the, the things that are going to be most closely connected to your purpose that you're going to grow up in and fulfill in Christ Jesus. It's going to be lots of things. There's beauty and there's art, and, but it's, it, it needs to find a way of touching people. And just children, moms. You know, moms. You know, some of your greatest purpose is going to be just what you do with your husband or what you do with your kids or, you know... I mean, honestly, you know, some of Kim's greatest reward will undoubtedly be connected to the way she loved and served me. Just because we're, we're close, you know. Um, 
So think about that. You know, your parents, your children. God wants you to be a work of art that is formed into something beautiful for His purpose that's going to affect other people. Well, I finished last week with uh, the, some habits that shape us. I want to do that again this week. I want to do that in the course of these five these messages. I've got this one and then three more. And talk about habits that shape us, uh, that form us. We are formed by the things that we do. How do we get from where we're at now to the kind of love and passion for God that we want to have as we grow up to be mature and grow in His grace? How do we get there? Well, we do things habitually. Um, ritualistically. And, and a lot of times when people hear the word liturgy, it's not always, you know, good. It's kind of negative. Liturgy, that's dead. You know, robes and stuff like that. And I want to just say, hang on. Let's redeem that word. Let's redeem the liturgy concept because we are doing liturgies all the time. And if we don't realize that and recognize it, we'll just say no to it in the church and yes to it in all the other places where we're being ritualized, liturgized, don't know if that's a word, but, but just where we get into these flows, you know, and, and you know, we could think, and here, here we go on this thing again, it's not just what I think in my head that's ultimately going to, you know, be affected, but my head follows my heart. My head does not get there mostly before my heart. And I am doing stuff that is being shaped by what I love, and then I, I can reflect on it a lot of times later. And so the habits that we do that affect our affections, our, our loves in our hearts, it's huge. Again, it's that marketing thing. They're pulling on us, and all of a sudden we're buying XYZ product, and we don't even, like, how do we get here? Or we see the commercial for the next TV show, and then all of a sudden we're... And I'm not going, how did I get here? I'm just, must watch... Must you know? And it's the loves. I like uh, this afternoon. We've got a little leadership retreat we're doing, and uh, we planned in a little bit of time just to catch those last few holes of of uh, the masters. It's not an out of control thing. I'm free mostly. I, I, I but 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 it's like that's the like we're rearranging things because some of us want to catch the last few holes. It's amazing. Kim doesn't get it, you know. And I'm like, Kim, this putt right now he's about to make is worth five hundred thousand dollars. And oh, you know, it's two feet and it lifts out, you know. And and she's like, ah, they're all paid too much money anyway. Little, little ball in a cup, ball in a cup, right? That's, a, that's kind of a, a funnier, lighter example of things that actually do pull us. You know, and we're pulled this way, that way, and the other. And so, um, how, do we, how do we break free from <laughs> my golf addiction? You know, or, but usually it's something much more serious than that, right? How do we do, and we do that by forming new habits in our lives where our heart gets captivated that's why, you know, in the Old Testament, again and again, they're told to remember. And what are they told to remember? It's not just remember the facts. It's remember to do this with your body, to go to the temple to worship, or to, uh, to talk about these things as you sit down for dinner, when you walk along the road, you know, as you're going, as you're using, as you're doing your life, you practice this 
kind of thing in a special way that puts the story, the God story, into your life. So let me mention five habits that shape what we love, okay? And this is things that can be corporate in the church or they can be things that we do privately, either one. One of them is worship. So this is dear to my heart. Um, I love to worship. I love to worship. And I know, I, I think even since Kim and I, we've been in this conversation the last month or so about habits that shape us, even coming to worship and going, I'm not just, I'm not just uh, you know, because I love this music or this song or God's presence. It's, it's, I know even in the midst of this that my heart is being shaped by what I'm doing, what I'm singing. As we're singing these songs, you know, that God is our salvation or that come broken sinners, He's here, you can come. You know, my heart is being shaped by that because I remember again and again when I'm in my brokenness that I can come. It's like I hear that down in my heart. It's like gets in there and starts working deep down on the inside. And it's, it's a good thing. You know, uh, we try to... We try to uh, do some hymns every now and then. They've got these great truths in them. Sometimes it's hard to find them that have been redone and stuff because you've got you know, guitars and whatever. But, and, and the reason I'm saying that about hymns is because, I don't know, the last few years, it's like the love song worship thing has taken a beating. It's like people have been giving the, the, the love songs to Jesus, the business, you know, like this. And I want to just say that passionate love songs where we sing, Jesus, I love you. And that may not be as manly as some people want to hear, but what's happening is our heart, my heart is being shaped when I sing, Jesus, I love you. And I start, just like when I say, Kim, I love you, I'm moving toward her. And when I say, Jesus, I love you, it's like I can't sing, Jesus, I love you, and have my heart over here. I'm looking to you. And over time, my heart is shaped. Does that make sense? It's just, it's not just we're just singing some songs. We're being shaped. We're being transformed. We're being, uh, we're, we're, we're being captivated and, and, and marked by another story. Prayer would be another one. Worship, prayer. It's where we come and we, we think it could be private, could be corporate. You know, there's something special about when we come corporately. We come together and we pray things. God could have, again, I, the thing for me about prayer, it's like, especially corporately, God could have already done everything. He could have saved everybody and but he is looking to partner with people on the earth who will say yes to the will of heaven and speak that will out on the earth and bind things and loose things and use the keys of heaven to unlock stuff. And it's, it's crazy. It's like almost there's two realities. One that happens when we pray and we're shaped by that. We are shaped as we pray things in. You know, you, some of you guys remember the story. We prayed for seven years about this building. We started as a cell church we met house to house. We rented a place on Sunday for 16 years. You know, long time. Set up guys. Special forces. Remember that? Special forces. They wore the camouflage shirts, got the free meals in the morning. But I mean, Alpha, Bravo, Charlie, and Delta, even those four teams of guys were getting worn out, you know, and it was just a different season for us. And God finally, it, just, it was like we prayed, 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 and we went from goofy prayers where we didn't even know how to pray. It's like, Lord, about the building, uh to Jesus, just knowing that we knew that we knew that we knew that this was the place for us, this was the place in Fort Worth, to put down a footprint, a headquarters for a church planting movement, you know, and all that came out of the place of prayer. 
So prayer is huge. Another one that everybody's excited about. Please write this one down. Confession. Woo! Confession. Yes. Just get a, get a wave. That'd be great. Confession. Okay, so what am I talking about when I say confession? Confession is when we sense conviction from the Holy Spirit could be about something that's going on in our lives, but it's not this, it's not a groveling, uh, just you need to be wiped out now for the next week. What it is, is it means agreeing with God. That's what confession is. So a confession is when you sense that conviction from the Lord about something, and you, rather than excusing it and turning your back and walking away, you say, yes, God, you're right. Just yes, God. That's confession. But we need regular confession in our lives and in order to, we, uh, and it can happen, last week we talked about spending time with the Lord, you know, it can happen, if you'll just get up each morning and say, Lord, how was the day before? How was yesterday? It will keep you on a much shorter kind of uh, connection to God so that you're not letting stuff go weeks on end that needs a, yes, God, you're right. Okay, a confession. Okay, so that's an important thing that builds into our lives the right turning toward the Lord, the right affection toward the Lord. Communion is another one. So communion, that's twice a month here at Christ Fellowship. We do Sunday morning, Lord's Supper, communion in the service, right? So that, that cracker and juice is symbolic of bread and wine, which is symbolic of the body, and the blood of Jesus. Okay? And so we do this in lots of different ways. We do it here on Sundays. We do it in our life groups. We do it house to house, you know, where it can be a, a more elongated kind of meal or something. But whatever the context is, what we are doing when we say, Lord, we remember your presence in this moment. Uh, Matthew was here last Sunday for Easter. And uh, we just sat here, and Kim and I were talking about after he left how special that was just reconnecting with Him in the presence of Jesus as we remembered the Lord's sacrifice and death and resurrection and His life in us. It was good. It was good, good, wasn't it? So, um, communion, awesome. Just a thing that, that regularly all around the world people are remembering Jesus said what, what He told us to do. Whenever you do this, remember me. Let your lives be marked by this regular observance, this liturgy of life. The last one I want to mention here is blessing. Now, blessing is something that we do at the end of each service. I'll raise my hands. Whoever's speaking that day will raise their hands and speak a blessing. May you, my brothers and sisters, be filled with the life, the grace, the joy of God. May you be radical, on fire, sold out zealots who leave this place and go touch the world for Jesus. Something like that. But there's power in that. There's power in our words, and it changes lives. I, this uh, mentioning Brian a minute ago from Denver, they just had this guy up there uh, at the church named Jamie Smith, and and he shared about how his life was changed in the blessing time of a, of, a, of a service. And he said when he was growing up, his mom and dad divorced when he was a kid. He was just in elementary school. And his mom and dad divorced and his dad kicked them out of the house. And they had to go live somewhere else. And the dad brought this woman he'd had this thing with at work and her children into the house. And so... 
this other woman now is in his house and the other children are in his room and all of that. So then his mom, and dad, his mom gets, a, gets remarried to a stepdad who actually ends up leading him to Christ. But then they get sideways about something and they get divorced. And so the first dad, his real dad leaves, the stepdad leaves, and he has no comprehension of the father's blessing into his life. Okay, which is powerful when you think just about that. And so he comes into this church service one day, sort of connects with kind of what's going on, but at the end, whoever is doing the message or whatever stands up and raises his hands like this, and he said he instinctively put his hands out. Now, we've been doing this about a decade where we finish our messages, and we, I say, put your hands out like you're going to catch a beach ball. And it's, it's like he said he did that, and the guy spoke about the Father's love, and he received that blessing for the first time in his life. He said, it remains to this day my favorite part of a church service. It's powerful. You know, that thing that we do that's repetitive, the, that liturgical kind of thing, and I, I just, I, I know you're cringing on, on, on the, the way I'm using that, but let's redeem it. Let's make it something good for us that we do these repetitive things that lead to healthy, life-giving, affectionate, right loves in our, in our lives. And that, I mean, even just think about it with your kids. How much your kids are being shaped by what they hear week in and week out, week in and week out, week in and week out. I, I couldn't have done it all. We, we remember dreaming. What would it be like to raise this peaceful, quiet little two-year-old What would it be like to raise her in this kind of environment and dreaming about that? You know, where this the, the passion, where love for God is the norm and not abnormal. It's, it's normal to be, I'm going to do, I'm going to be all in. I'm going to bow my knee to Jesus. I want to consecrate my life to Him. I want to follow Him in all things. And I'm not even embarrassed about saying it. I want to go for it with God. What's it going to be like to raise her, to raise Him? In that kind of environment. And, uh, you know, so just, it's huge. These practices that I'm, I'm calling us to. And ultimately, you guys, it's, it's that Jesus Christ would be the treasure of our lives. You know, a lot of you guys know my story. And I came out of a bunch of junk when I came to the Lord. And it was pretty dramatic. I was, in, I was messed up. I was addicted. Some drugs and stuff. And, and I met Jesus one night. Him white robe, gold sash, calling me like this, smiling. Jesus, that's you. You've got to save me. I'm so lost. And I met Jesus Christ that night. It was awesome. It was awesome. But that wasn't the end of the story. What happened in my heart was that I became, I just, I, I was in love with Jesus. And He became the treasure of my life. And these things, these cruddy, ugh, this, this stuff that was killing me, this nasty, rancid, maggot-infested meat that was killing me, and I'm calling it good, all of a sudden I saw what was really good. It rocked my world. It changed my life. And just falling in love with Jesus literally cut the root of that crud out of my life. It died to me. I don't want it. You know, because of Jesus. It's not... No, no, you know, no, 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 does not win the day. But you treasuring Jesus Christ 
It's just, it's powerful. It's compelling. It's like, I want to move toward the treasure. I am moving toward the treasure. We all are. That's why this love thing that I'm talking about is so absolutely huge. Let's join together in a fresh renewal of love for the treasure who is Jesus Christ. I mean, let's, let's go. I, I'm, I'm on the journey with you. I am in process. I'm messed up. I never cease to amaze myself at some of the goofy, weird things that I can do, think, or, you know, I mean, even like within minutes of quiet time with Jesus. Like, oh man, I did, did, I just, did I just think that? Did I just have that thought? Are you, are you saved? You know? I'm the only one, I know. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you know, and just like, wow, I need God. And so I'm just saying, hey, let's go together in following and treasuring and loving and having our hearts shaped and molded by this God of love who loves us when we were dead. Brought life to us, couldn't do a thing. Brought light to us when we were groping around in the darkness. That's who Jesus is for us. That's what the Father's love is like. He's good. This grace that we need, is He going to be there? He's going to be there. It changes everything. 